Welcome to another ep- episode of The Brand Called You, a podcast and podcast show that brings you leadership lessons, knowledge, experience, and wisdom from thousands of successful individuals from around the world. I'm your host, Ashutosh Garg, and today I'm delighted to welcome a very senior and accomplished professional from California, USA, Mr. Jeremy Barr. Jeremy, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Uh, Jeremy is the Rocket is Rocket Mindset CEO and the Chief Operating Officer uh, of VC Investor. He's a CEO, VC leadership and founder mentor. And Jeremy is building the largest investor and founder network globally. So Jeremy, before we talk about leadership, tell me a little bit about your own journey and how are you planning to impact 3 billion people? Yeah, so... My my journey for impacting 3 billion people is let's go start, run, invest, and advise in a lot of companies, potentially over 100, right? To then have each of those companies have a cascading impact to 3 billion people, right? So let's let's start companies to solve cancer, world hunger, anxiety, depression, race gaps, gender gaps, et cetera, right? Mm-hmm. So let's have those companies. So if the companies are then going to each, their own analytics department will then go cause that 3 billion people impact, mm-hmm. let's create great companies. And what do we need for great companies? We need money to fund the companies or revenue runway or investor money, and we need great founders. And great quality founders, high-scale founders, and high-scale leaders are the rarest attribute in the world. So that's why I started a company called Rocket Mindset. So we have the VC to fund people, and building out the world's largest investor and founder network means let's merge up the funding plus the founders and leaders together to make great companies to have the cascading impact. So Mm -hmm. then we focus on founders and leaders, right? So that's where Rocket Mindset comes in, in founder and leadership up-leveling. And then there's a whole cascading from that. So it starts with everything I do is to impact 3 billion people. Mm. We have to make companies. Then we have to make great founders and leaders. And then we have to go from there. How interesting. You also talk about a secret sauce. Uh, I'm not sure how secret is secret, but if you can talk a little bit about it on my show. Yep. Yeah, I can absolutely talk about it. It's uh, more of just a quick way of saying secret sauce. It's not entirely like that I'm keeping it uh, secret at all. So Secret sauce in terms of how I operate with up-leveling founders and leaders rapidly, right, is we we know that listening and empathy, and we'll probably get to that in, in some later parts of this interview as well, listening and empathy is really important for all of leaders and founders. Mm-hmm. But when I get onto a call with somebody, whether it's a founder or leader or right now even, right, I will watch somebody's eye contact, body language, tone of voice, and micro expressions. And mm-hmm. as we're up-leveling somebody, we can pick up on how confident they are, where, where there are insecurities. We can really read and listen to them, not just in their words, but we can do full listening. Some people call it reading. Some people, it's really just full listening, right? And so to be able to adapt to somebody on the fly, and as I'm saying a whole sentence out, to know that on this particular word in the sentence, they keyed off and their eyes went off to think about it or to be like annoyed by it, right? To be able to key off of that. And then even before I finish my sentence, I'm already making adaptations when I'm up-leveling this founder or leader is really, really important to really take that listening that we always talk about in leadership to a more full level of actually adapting on the fly. And then taking former algorithm mindset where I wrote artificial intelligence, where I did software algorithms, where I wrote search algorithms and taking that to a human aspect and being able to apply that to businesses. When when people talk about sales funnels in businesses, we I will look at it from every sales funnel, you can actually break out into a 4 billion dimensional cube mm-hmm. in terms of how you can optimize creative and, and, and the landing page and everything in it. Mm, amazing, amazing. So today in our conversation, uh, Jeremy, let's talk about leadership and uh, founder mentor, uh, which takes some part of your uh, time, I'm sure. My first question is, what inspired you to become a mentor for leaders and founders? And was there any particular experience or person 
that motivated you to move in this direction? Yeah, so I, a lot of people will ask, how did I get to where I am now? Mm -hmm. And I will say, I was not born this way, I was made this way. So I started off as a DF student getting poor grades in school. My mom was a teacher. She took me out of school for seventh grade to, to build up my competence, confidence loop, which I now use in the founder and leadership mentoring, the competence, confidence loop. So she gave me that in seventh grade. She put me back into public school. Then I was getting A's and B's and getting good grades from there. So that was a key point in my life. There was another key point in my life where I had been CTO for five years, managed teams of people, but I could only talk technology and business. Mm-hmm. And I had to then become a social. So then I would I would go out. I, I had started a new job at some point when I was 27 years old, moved out to San Diego where I've been for the last five years. And at 27 years old, I couldn't talk a normal conversation with people. I was antisocial. I could talk tech and business, but then no more than a sentence if you're if we're going out to, to hang out, right? Mm-hmm. And so I then, when people were asking me, are you okay? Are you okay? I would go out for an hour or two with people and just listen to the whole conversation. I couldn't, I couldn't have a normal conversation with people. Mm-hmm. And so then I found out I need to talk. At 27 years old, I was realizing really basic things that I needed to talk, right? So I used my algorithm mindset because I, I was a programmer, right? I used my algorithm mindset to create a social algorithm. This was a big day, big switch number two. And then I became to where six months straight, I was going out every single night with friends socially. Um, and that is what allowed me to start connecting and relating to lots of different human beings, different education levels. And this is what I teach down in the founder leadership mentoring is one of the core things that people have to do to be a great leader is connecting to a lot of different people from different countries, different cultures, different age groups, different income groups, different education groups, et cetera. Right. And so I started connecting and relating to a lot of people, which enabled me to move up in other management positions and manage teams and teams of people. So it came from the mom moment. It came from going from super nerd to super social Hmm. and then looking at, okay, I have everything I want in my life. I have all the money I want. I have all the fun. I have all the friends. I want everything. I'm snowboarding down the mountain with a bunch of friends having fun. And then I get halfway down the mountain and I'm thinking, I'm bored. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm meant for more than this. I built up my skill set to where I can make global impact. Mm-hmm. And I'm bored doing all of these fun things, snowboarding, skydiving, volleyball, everything, like all these things that were fun for me, racing Lamborghini. And then I got bored, right? And I wanted to go impact the world. So I looked at it from, I don't want to live this analogy of I'm in a mansion on a hill and the rest of the world is burning. Mm. I want to go help, right? I have this this, this skill set, this network and this ability to connect with other people. I want to go and help. And oh. so between me getting skill set from seventh grade and, and, and social, and then also looking at it and saying, what else do I really want to do with my life? And I want to be able to give back. Those are what propelled me to go and say, let's go do founder and leadership mentoring. And particularly founder and leadership, I've, I've been doing it for over a decade at lots of different companies, DTC, B2B, million dollar companies, billion dollar company, public and private. Amazing. Thank you. What a great response. So my next question to you, uh, Jeremy, based on all the you know leadership and founder mentoring that you do, what are some of the common challenges that a lot of leaders and founders face and how do you help them overcome them? A lot of founders and leaders, they will fall into imposter syndrome and they will have a lack of focus. These are two things that come up a lot. The imposter syndrome, I I, I help with founders and leaders. I I share with them, we're always going to be growing. We're always growing into some new domain. As soon as we get good at something, we get diluted of it. We get bored of it. And a lot of people don't realize this, but it happens over and over. As you start to go through new levels and new levels and new levels, you start to go, oh, that's easy. Now I want to go into the new level, new level and you want to go grow, right? Mm-hmm. And when you're in that growing process, then you're like uncomfortable again, right? So to realize that you're always going to be in that uncomfortable space, mm-hmm. you're always going to be growing into something new, which means you're always going to be feeling a bit like an imposter. Mm-hmm. Means it's irrational to feel like an imposter because what you want to be confident in is not the results of the new level you're trying to currently achieve, 
but of all of what you previously have and in your process, your process in your ability to fail and learn and fail and learn and get an A-B testing failure math science yeah. around, I'm going to try this variable in this product or in this advertisement or in this management style or in this company that I'm going to try. I'm going to do the A-B testing failure math because after a certain number of a b testing failures you get to a win right so it's just math and when we when we pay attention to that we then can remove the imposter syndrome then we look at focus right if we look at time and energy and say me as an investor giving money to a company when i see that they're split across i want to run five or ten different products right start one product start one idea have clear borders around that product so that your time and energy and my investor money or your own revenue runway money can go into one swim lane, right? Mm -hmm. As opposed to split across. Now, it sounds easy when we say that, but so many founders and leaders dealing with millions of dollars or even asking for millions of dollars are still trying to split it across a lot of different products, a lot of different ideas. And we need to get that clarity. And so imposter syndrome and focus are, are two of the biggest things for founders and leaders to focus on. Mm -hmm. And then there's a lot of listening that is just really, really important for people and they don't pay attention enough to listening to nonverbals. Mm -hmm. Very interesting. And, uh, you know, what one has seen generally when it comes to founders and startups is that there is always a lot of frustration because, as they say, only one out of 10 makes it. What advice would you give to leaders uh, on dealing with setbacks and failures? That, that failure is something we want to pursue more of. Failure is where we get a learning from. We don't, when we when we try to walk as a baby, we don't overanalyze the first step. We just take a step and then we're going to figure out how to wobble through that step, right? Same thing for the basketball. You don't want to overanalyze, do I do right? Do I shoot it and feel, okay, that was a little left. Let me shift my elbows a little, right? You want to take that first step. Most people fail at taking the first step. We want people to take the first step, take it again, take it again and fail. So if you can fail five times today, great. I hope you can fail 10 times today because when you fail 10 times, you learn 10 times and the learnings you never, ever lose. You might lose money in your life. You might lose relationships. You'll never lose your learnings and learn the stack of learnings you get is an, is a, is a value you will never lose. Mm. Well said. My next question to you is about emotional intelligence, Jeremy. How important is emotional intelligence for leaders and founders? And how do you help them develop this very crucial skill? I think it's probably one of the, it, it is one of the top things, if not, if not the top, I always say listening is the top, but listening and empathy are tied in, right? If we don't have empathy for the people that we're leading, that we're the people that we're collaborating with, we're not going to, we're not going to relate. We're not, it's, it's a, it's a part of communication. We're not going to understand what they want and we're not going to get aligned directions, right? Every time I'm interviewing somebody, I always want to know what's your past, what's your current focus and excitement, what's your future two, five, 10 years that you want, right? I want to understand this human being as a whole. And after interacting with lots of different humans, which every leader and founder should do, and I prescribe to get better at empathy, right? Go talk to different people, like we were saying earlier, from different income levels, education levels, countries, cultures, personalities, mm -hmm. be able to talk to and relate to a lot of different people. There's going to be people with different confidence levels, masculine to feminine ratio, lead to relaxed ratios, whatever you want to call them. Mm -hmm. People have different personalities. And you can, and when you relate to them and when you have this empathy, you're able to, you're able to connect to them more. And they're going to be willing to do more with you as opposed to shutting down because they don't feel heard or feel seen. So empathy is really important. And we develop it by being by by interacting with lots of different humans in a variety way. Fascinating. My next question to you is about, uh, you know, managing innovation, managing risk. Uh, how do you help founders and leaders to strike a balance between innovation and risk? Yep. So as a, as, a, as a VC investor, I'm always looking at how do we de-risk this founder's idea, right? And we, we 
the the bigger gains, the bigger innovation you get is from a harder, more difficult problem. That is the core. Mm -hmm. It's not about some AI. AI is an accelerant. Um, great websites is an accelerant. Dis any there's a lot of accelerants in the world, but the core of in the core of some sort of innovation, large innovation, and large re large return or impact um, or profit is going to come from very difficult problems. And so what we want to do is take that very difficult problem. And we want to say, well, around that difficult problem, that new Wright Brothers flight for the first time, right? Around that new, around that difficult problem, there's still the same basic accounting, engineering, media buying, sales, et cetera, right? And so we want to bring in top talent to de-risk all the elements that we can. We want to break down, and that, and that's what venture studios are, that they, they're an example of, right? Hiring top talent is, an, is a way of de-risking. Doing a venture studio is a way of de-risking. It's basically saying, let's just take the core of your idea. That's the risky new part. Let's make that the only risk. Let's not risk all these other things that have already been, been de-risked over and over. Mm -hmm. So we take out each component. We de-risk each component. And then as much as we can, if we're building a new, one of the ones I was just talking about this week with a company, building a new... AI based off of not the neuron level, but the molecular level that hasn't been done in the world yet. Right now it's at a neuron level, but to go sub level, that's, that's kind of what's currently being talked about to be able to, can we make servers? We have open, open AI and chat GPT out there in the world, but it takes lots of servers, right? But to be able to make compute like the human brain that is high compute and low energy is still something sought after in the world. And to be able to do that, we want to be able to break that into component parts so that we can de-risk it and still get the innovation. Fascinating. The other challenge that I have seen, uh, Jeremy, with a lot of founders is how to handle stress and prevent burnout. How do you uh, counsel people, especially the leaders and founders, to you know managing stress and burnout? Yep. So I say stress and burnout isn't a, an amount of time and energy that you put into something. A lot of people think it is, whether it's 50 hours or 80 hours or a certain amount of time and energy. When you're doing something you really love, say even being on this call right now, me me loving to, to do the founder and leadership advice to the world, right? And, and give back. When you're doing something you love, you're getting energy from it. I get energy from the things I do. That's why I'm able to be up at eight or nine o'clock with somebody on the other side of the world. That's why, or 10 o'clock. That's why I'm able to wake up at 3 a.m. with somebody on the other side of the world, right? And, and back to back, right? And I do that a lot, right? So when we look at stress and burnout, we want to look at our alignment, if we're misaligned in what we really, really want to do, then it's like break pads and that's what causes stress and burnout. But when we're really aligned and we want to be, then, then we don't get the burnout, right? I'm, I'm, I'm able to work seven days a week, nearly 24 seven, and I don't recommend it for everybody, but I, I happen to want to, I happen to like to, and I, I'm able to rest between when I want to, but you're able to work more, more amount of time and energy units. When you're aligned. So alignment is what matters. And we want to look at alignment in terms of, am I working on the say company or project that I want to work on? But also secondarily, am I in the mode? Do I like to work in Excel sheets or do I like to work with people? So what is your mode of operation that you have alignment for? And what is your mission you have alignment for? And when you have alignment in those two areas, you're aligned on your mission and your mode of operation every day. You have this alignment that you don't have break paths of stress and burnout. And, and then you keep getting energy from every action you do. Well said, well said. Uh, my next question is that how do you think the role of a founder or a leader has evolved over the past decade, especially when you look at remote work and the rapid rise in technological advancements? 
I think a lot of old leadership that, you know, it's been talked about in books about the Peter principle where somebody gets really good at engineering, they get promoted, they become the manager, right? But they're not a good people manager. And so they tend to micromanage the team because they got really good at engineering or mm -hmm. accounting or media buying or sales or whatever, right? They get really good at their trade, their hard skills, but they didn't ever necessarily build up their soft skills or their core skills, mm -hmm. right? So people move up and that's, that's more old leadership where they were, they would move up They'd be really good at what they're doing, but then they'd micromanage the team. They'd cause to lose retention, right? Now more so, it is more common for leaders to recognize the Peter Principle because it's been talked about so much where people just get, get promoted based on their skill set and actually realize when you move into leadership, it's a whole new role. You're now a people manager. You now need to actually try to forget a lot of your skills and look at people for generalized traits like attention to detail, communication, listening, how they can make estimates on their projects as opposed to understanding sales or media buying or engineering and, and, and addressing that, right? And so when we look at technology, technology is empowering our, our teams to be much more powerful and much right. more skilled, right? Then we're not gonna be able to keep up with that knowledge as well. So we just need to focus on the people. The people is a timeless element. And work from home is again, giving people their environment to work in. Some people are really great. They actually want to be in the office around other people. Other mm. people, they actually work much better at home. So leadership now with the work from home and, and work in the office, we actually need to be able to pay attention. This employee organization actually works better at home and this one works better in person. And we need to be able to listen to the employees and ask them. And that's one of the changes. Mm. Great response, thank you. Uh, the next question that I had was on diversity, inclusion, and belonging. How can leaders create an environment of uh, diversity, inclusion, and belonging within an organization? Just like the leaders need to talk to as many different people as they can, different education, different income, different cultures, different personalities, everything, hmm. we need the people on the team to experience that as well. We need to be mixing people together and having conversations, personal, professional, having game time together, having conversations with people in and outside your organization and, and encouraging that within the organization, outside the organization to talk to lots of different people so that people start to learn how to communicate and relate to everybody else to where then they are able to actually include, not just hire on diversity and not include people in the decisions because you feel that they're that, that somebody's different. Mm -hmm. You actually know, oh, you see things like this, you feel things like this and, and we can relate. And that's how we need, that's how we need to actually get the diversity inclusion to where people not just, oh, I need to do this, but like, I, I, I actually know how to do this. And I feel, I feel like I want to do this. Fantastic. Time for three more questions for you. Uh, my next question is, what in your opinion are some of the biggest misconceptions or myths about leadership and entrepreneurship? A lot of people think for leadership that it's it, it, pre to their first leadership position. They think that it's just a, it, it's just a, a step up on the career ladder and it's a way of getting more money. Mm. A lot of people, they're just like, I just need to get an extra, whatever the amount is. Right. Mm. And they, and they move to leadership. Right. They don't realize. And, and they, they, a lot of times they will go after it for a certain amount of respect. Right. They, a lot of people seek respect in the world by, by their peers and by other people. And so they go into leadership for money, for respect, and sometimes for a bit of freedom because a lot of managers in the world are still micromanaging, unfortunately. Mm. So they try to get out of that. Most humans in life in general, through even the life coaching I've done and the and leadership and founder and CEO coaching, a lot of people are looking for freedom. Mm. And a lot of people, so then answering to the entrepreneurship question, a lot of people switch into entrepreneurship for freedom. Mm. And so a lot of people think they're going to get the full freedom, but what they don't pay attention to uh, all the time in entrepreneur, becoming an entrepreneur or founder is the amount of risk and the amount of pressure that it takes to actually go through lots of failure times. Now you're not under the protective um, nest of a manager. 
or of a company or of a big company, you're doing it on your own. You're responsible for not just your trade now, but how to operate a company, how to do customer acquisition, how to manage teams of people, mm. right? So, so that's, that's what people have to learn is that you're going there for freedom and you're going to get a lot of freedom, but with freedom comes a lot of that risk too. And when you learn to manage that risk, then you get full freedom. But initially it's going to be a lot of risk and it's going to be a lot of challenge and it's going to be a lot of emotional tolerance and failure tolerance that you have to build up. Mm. Amazing. Two more questions. My next one is about you. Um, how do you stay updated on the latest trends and uh, research in leadership and business? And how do you incorporate all these insights into your mentoring practice? Yep. So leadership is going to be less changing than business. Leadership has more timeless things like listening, communication, empathy. And when you really, really get good at that, it's going to be more timeless. Are there some things that change like work from home? Yes. But if you're using the same principles of I care about how this person's environment is, right? Environment is a word that is timeless. Mm -hmm. Now, just because work from home came up, if you were a really listening leader before, maybe you actually gave people work from home before the whole world gave people work from home from pandemic, right? So when we're really listening, we we, we get leadership traits that are, are more timeless. Business, on the other hand, is changing with technology. And so to keep up on leadership in general or business and more so business, I have groups of, of people where I actually run weekly weekly group calls with people where we're talking about the latest in, in, in AI or we're talking about the latest in business and we're speaking to an audience, right? Mm -hmm. So we are constantly educating other people and I'm partnering with other people that are deep in the weeds to where I'm able to, through partnering with this person, me and this person talk about it pre to a call like this, for example, and mm -hmm. then we get into the call and we talk about it, right? So I'm getting updated at the same time as we're educating it out. And then I'm able to hear live from the audience what their thoughts are to where I'm always minute by minute staying up to date without having to necessarily go into long paths of reading books and podcasts because books and podcasts, they made a lot of like, I learned a lot from that. But if we look at the amount of time it takes to read books, read podcasts and, and learn from failure tolerance, three main learning sources, it's much faster when we can hire somebody on or partner with somebody who's done a lot of that. When you're doing scalable things, I have to answer in a more scalable way, right? Mm. When you're doing things more at scale, you have to be able to partner with teams that have read the books, the podcast and done the failure tolerance, right? Because that's that's the only way you're going to do something at scale. And so the bigger scale you go, the more you have to pull yourself out and rely on other people and partner up with other people. Oh, wonderful. And my last question, Jeremy, and this is for the thousands of people who will listen to our conversation. Based on your amazing journey and understanding of leadership and mentoring, and of course, as a VC investor, what would you say are three lessons uh, you would want our viewers and listeners to take back from all your learnings and from our conversation? One, listen and add value to other people around you mm. and stop taking from every conversation. Mm. And pay attention to how you can give instead mm. of take mm. with your words, actions, eye contact, body language, and tone of voice. Mm. That's number one. Number two is failures and difficulty is what makes life. Mm. And to understand that you want to embrace that difficulty and the process of solving that problem as mm. the core of life, not yeah. as something to run away from, not yeah. as something to speed through, but to actually embrace that challenge Correct. Of pursuing that person, of pursuing that company, of pursuing that R&D. Hmm. This is the core of life. Because as soon as I get it done, I'm going to pick the next thing and the next thing. So enjoy every moment and don't rush. Correct. That's number two. Correct. Number three is 
you can create any world you want. Hmm. Forget what your parents want, society wants, a significant other wants, friend wants. You create what you want. No timeline matters. No goal matters. You create the meaning and purpose of your life. Hmm. So create anything and everything that you want. Wonderful. And what what amazing lesson. Then on that note, Jeremy, you have three amazing lessons. Listen and add value. Be a giver instead of a taker. Second, you said was failures really make uh, our lives. Embrace it as much as possible. And third one is uh, create, you know, we can create any way that we want to be. You can create any world that we want to be in. So be a creator and not just a follower. Thank you so much for speaking to me about your incredible journey. Thank you for speaking to me about so many different aspects of leadership, so many different aspects of mentoring, and so many different aspects of listening, empathy, uh, communication, startups, founders, and so on and so forth. Thank you again for speaking to me and good luck to you. Thank you for having me. Thank you for listening to the brand called You Videocast and Podcast platform that brings you knowledge, experience and wisdom of hundreds of successful individuals from around the world. Do visit our website www.tbcy.in to watch and listen to the stories of many more individuals. You can also follow us on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram and Twitter. Just search for the brand called Youth.